0: Open up the word of God together this morning. Let's uh, go ahead and and bow for a word of prayer. Gracious Father, we know that you are great uh, because that is something that you are. Uh, You are our great God. And uh, Lord, as we have the opportunity to open up your eternal word, because you are the eternal one, uh, that you would teach us, that your word would speak truth into our lives today that we would see just how blessed we are uh, to be called your sons and daughters when we put our faith and trust in your son, Jesus Christ. Uh, And Lord, I pray for each and every one that's here this morning, Lord. I thank you for them taking time out of their their morning to worship you corporately, to join together as one, not only here in the sanctuary, but those that are listening online. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would just be honored, that we would lift you up, and that these moments together would be truly about you we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. But well, today we are in part three of a four-part uh, mini-series as we have been looking uh, at the account of Ruth. So if you haven't already, turn in your Bibles to Ruth chapter 3. Uh, and as you're turning there this morning, just as a reminder, uh, as we've taken a look at chapters 1 and 2 in previous Sundays, uh, that chapter 1 we saw the the beautiful... Uh, account of hope being restored after having uh, uh, um, one of God's families, uh, that, that of the family of Elimelech, uh, ending up leaving uh, the uh, promised land because of a famine being in the land. As we took time to notice that that famine was a direct result of God's judgment on Israel because of their disobedience, because He says, "If you obey Me, then I will bless." Uh, you and I will bless you through the land for to give forth uh, in its due season. Uh, but he said that if you uh, were disobedient or if you did not, uh, you know, honor me as uh, God, then he would remove that blessing. Uh, and so this famine was a direct result of uh, the children of Israel's disobedience before God. Uh, And we see the family of Elimelech ended up trying to escape that set of circumstances. uh, And he moved his family from Bethlehem uh, to um, the country of Moab, uh, which was a pagan country, a country that did not uh, worship the one true God. Uh, And they did that in the hopes of their circumstances changing. Uh, And we found out that and if anything happened, the circumstances ended up following them. Uh, because not only did Elimelech die uh, in the land of Moab, uh, but also his two sons, leaving Naomi uh, as a widow, uh, but also uh, without any uh, sons uh, to carry on the family name. Uh, Now, while they were there, uh, the two sons did marry two Moabite women, uh, one of which is the namesake of this book, the book of Ruth. Uh, And Uh, We have the the beautiful picture in chapter one of hope being returned or restored uh, because uh, Ruth ends up going with Naomi back to uh, Israel, back to the promised land, back to Bethlehem, uh, the place where she knew very well and people knew her. Uh, And we see the blessing of a shared love between Ruth and Naomi as they uh, basically uh, look to support one another in this transition. And then last week we took a look at chapter 2 where we saw peace being found. Uh, because not only was there a peace in the sense of Naomi returning back to that which was familiar, uh, but the fact is is that uh, she was not uh, you know, isolated or ridiculed. Matter of fact, uh, people recognized her right away. Uh, and what God did in his providence, as we spoke to last week, was bring into Naomi, as well as Ruth's life, Um, A very special individual, a man, as the scripture says, is a worthy man uh, because he was a worthy man of of men, uh, but of wealth, but of uh, of valor, of character, uh, and he stood out. Uh, And one of the things I mentioned to you last week is the fact is that he stayed in the land even during the famine, and God blessed him um, in his obedience uh, and not leaving and going somewhere else like Elimelech's family did uh, and so we see that Boaz is going to bring a level of peace to a, a situation of, in particular for Ruth, of a lot of unknowns. Uh, because not only did she leave her mother and father, she left the people that she knew, she left the, leave, left the culture she knew uh, to settle down with Naomi. As the text says, you know, she said that, I will go where you go, I will lodge where you lodge, your people will be my people and your God my God. Uh, and she did so uh, to be an encouragement to Naomi, uh, but this was the beginning of, of Ruth uh, and you know and Naomi really seeing the power of God and the providence of God in their lives. Uh, which brings us to our text today, uh, which is chapter three of the book of Ruth. And I've entitled this section uh, "Love Shown." Uh, because we are going to see uh, love being exhibited between not only uh, Ruth and Naomi, but also a love between uh, Boaz and Ruth uh, as the chapter unfolds before us. Uh, And before I read the first uh, five verses there, which is our first section of finding a new home for Ruth, Uh, I I wanted to to remind you that uh, as we've taken a look at uh, chapter 1, if you remember the last verse there, it says that they came to Bethlehem uh, at the beginning of the barley harvest uh which was important because uh they were able to uh, go and glean in the fields to be able to pick up what had been dropped um as they harvested the fields because God used that uh, as the farmers were obedient to God and not you know um gleaning all the way to the corners of the property would leave some of what was uh you know God's blessing upon that farmer uh for those who needed to come and glean because of uh being poor and needing uh help that way Uh, And then at the end of of chapter 2, we we read that Ruth gleaned in Boaz's fields until the end of both the barley and the wheat harvest. Uh, And so that sets the stage for our our text for today because, uh, as you can uh, well imagine, because of being in those fields uh, and being under the care of Boaz, as we learned in chapter 2, which was a kindness of Boaz to Ruth, uh, that... uh, they are going to be able to spend some time together. Actually, Ruth is going to be able to see how Boaz interacts with people. Um, This is not just some, you know, one particular situation where he realized who Ruth was after the servant of the field said that this is Ruth who uh, came from Moab, who is taking care of Naomi, um, and everything that he had found out from uh, people in town and, and, you know, gave him the knowledge of what Ruth had done. Uh, this is going to give the, the stage for uh, really a, a relationship to begin to build because she would see Boaz in his natural element uh, as he uh, was not only a keeper and, and uh, a lord over the lands that he had, uh, but she would see him interacting with the workers, both male and female. And we know from last time too that um, you know, Boaz and part of what he encouraged Ruth to do uh, and, and protecting her and watching over her, giving her the ability to not only you know glean with the women that were gleaning in his field, uh, knowing that he would had spoken to the young men to basically say hands off of of Ruth, uh, to make sure that she was not taken advantage of, uh, but also providing drink for her as well, and so all those things come together to give us this um, beginning of chapter three. Um, as we find uh, a love between Naomi and Ruth. And so let's uh, go ahead and and take a look at verses 1 through 5 as I read them. It says, Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you were? See, he is widowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your cloak, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, All that you say I will do. Now, as we begin reading chapter 3, there's going to be some things that you're going to notice in the text that aren't going to make sense to you. Uh, And that's part of the reason uh, why we're going to walk through this together this morning. Um, Because um, as you see, there's a a, a repetition of something we heard from uh, Naomi to Ruth back in chapter one. Uh, You'll notice there in verse one of chapter three, she says, my daughter, should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? Well, If you look back to chapter one, verse nine, uh, part of what's Uh, Naomi wanted to have the Lord grant to Ruth uh, and Orpha, her her sister-in-law, was that the Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of your husband. Now, for for means of explanation, uh, this rest is not for uh, Ruth to basically sit at home and uh, eat bonbons and do nothing. Uh, this is not her final rest where she is going to pass on to uh, the life thereafter. Um, as I, I pointed out to you last time, uh, or actually I guess two weeks ago, that word rest actually means security. Uh, and what we have here uh, culturally is uh, a beautiful picture of Naomi uh, showing love towards Ruth for her to not just be a widow who is childless the rest of her life. Uh, what she is doing is knowing that she her daughter-in-law has come with her from what everything that she knows uh, as far as culture, as far as living as to the do's and the don'ts. Uh, she is getting, getting ready to provide for her uh, the knowledge base that she's going to need. Uh, and two, we just see this this continued relationship that was brought to us at the very beginning in chapter one, uh, where we know that Ruth loved. Naomi, and Naomi loved Ruth so much so that they ended up crying at the thought of departing from one another uh, and even and sharing a a kiss of affection for one another. Uh, And we saw that uh, the going back and forth that finally Naomi realized that Ruth wasn't going to just stay in Moab, that she was going to come along and be an uh, an encouragement and to do all the things that she said in relation to going where she goes, um, lodging where she lives and having Naomi's people be Ruth's people and Naomi's God, her God. Uh, And so we have all of this uh, coming together and this this love being shown because uh, Naomi does not want Ruth to be alone for the rest of her life. Uh, She's still young, uh, can still have children, can still have family, can still have the security of what can happen in coming under uh, the care of uh, a man and particularly a man of God uh, that will take care of her. And you'll notice in verse 2, it kind of does a a little bit of uh, an added uh, information here for us because she goes and makes the statement, is not Boaz our relative? Uh, And the thing that you need to understand here is that uh, at this moment in the the account, uh, this is not some ploy by Naomi uh, with Ruth being a willing accomplice uh, for them to get one over on Boaz. Uh, and the thing is, is I, I mentioned this uh, in passing in the first week. Last week we talked about it a little bit more, but this is, this is the unfolding of the kinsman redeemer, uh, which uh, as we take a look um, uh, you know, at the text here uh, and, and even looking at the last chapter, uh, you know, we, chapter 2, verse 1, uh, it says there that now Naomi had a relative. Well, that word relative uh, in Hebrew is kinsman redeemer. Uh, someone who is able to do something that has a special ability, a special, uh, as you were, if you want to even call it uh, an obligation or, or office, to be able to do something for the perpetuation of the family, uh, to be able to, to bring back things that may have been lost for one reason or another. Uh, and the thing is, Ruth wouldn't have known about this custom because she was from Moab. She was from another country uh, altogether, another pagan land. Uh, And so as she's coming back in here, Naomi is is giving her the knowledge that she needs for her to understand exactly what she is proposing to her. Uh, And as we take a look at the Old Testament in the book of Leviticus chapter 25, we get a little bit of a picture of what the Kingsman Redeemer has the ability to do. Uh, Now, we're not going to take the time to to look at the entire text. Uh, Matter of fact, I'm just going to give you exactly what the Kingsman Redeemer has the ability to do. Uh, And that is to buy back land that has been lost uh, or an indentured family member back. So in other words, if someone had to, in order to pay off a debt or because they had no means by which to take care of themselves, ended up becoming into the service of another family, uh, the kinsman redeemer had the ability to bring them back. Uh, if land was lost because it was either, you know, uh, had to be sold in order to pay off a the debt, um, they, they were able to buy that land back, to keep that land within the family, Uh, And that's something that the kinsman redeemer had the ability to do. Uh, But we also find out from Deuteronomy chapter 25 um, some other things that the—well, one other thing that the kinsman redeemer can do is that he also has the responsibility to marry uh, a childless widow, which is exactly where Ruth finds herself. She is a childless widow, uh, and she is of the house of Elimelech because she married into that And therefore, um, as uh, you find out from our text in chapter 2, verse 1, and even in chapter 3, and we'll see played out fully in chapter 4, is the fact that Boaz is an actual kinsman redeemer. He is a family relation that can, you know, take and give uh, Ruth the, the security, the rest as Uh, Naomi put forth there uh, that she needs to be able to be in a home where there is uh, safety and security and someone to to give her a home to thrive in, Uh, but also, too, for the whole perpetuation of the line of Elimelech because both of Naomi's sons died, and so there is no perpetuation of the family line and uh, of the name of Elimelech, but also, too, for the, the growth of the nation of Israel itself. Uh, for that to go forth. Uh, and the thing you need to understand is that based off of what we read in Deuteronomy 25, um, Ruth is rightly able to appeal to Boaz for this. She is rightly able to go to him and and ask for him to be her kinsman redeemer. Uh, it, yes, it is a bold step forward for her to ask, but she does have the, uh, the ability to appeal to him, so that the, the family name can be safeguarded so that, that she not only has a home but also to perpetuate uh, the household of the linolech. And that brings us to those next few verses there in verses three, four, and uh, five uh, where we see uh, Naomi telling Ruth to do some obvious things uh, because she says, you know, go, you know, wash, anoint, and put on your cloak. So you have to understand that being on the uh, on a field all day in the hot sun, in the hot climate, uh, would end up perpetuating a particular aroma. Uh, that would be something that if you're looking to ask, uh, and, and, and we even see this in our culture today, young, young ladies, you don't want to go smelling like the salt of the earth when you're going to uh, propose yourself to a young man. And from the young guy's side, guys appreciate it when when ladies smell nice. Um the point being is that this, this whole picture of washing, anointing, and putting on your cloak is preparing herself to do what she is, going, is about to do. Um, now, you'll notice that it says something that we don't customarily do and kind of doesn't make any sense to us. Because there's this wait until he is done eating and lays down to sleep, and then go and uncover his feet and lie down. Uh, now, you need to understand because this is a cultural thing. this is not something that we do, and the the thing is is some have looked at this text and wrongly you know uh, you know put into the text that this is some type of sexual invitation that Ruth is putting forth to Boaz as she 's uncovering his feet uh, and presenting herself in this way to lie down at his feet when it is the complete opposite. This is no invitation whatsoever. Uh, what she is doing culturally is she's saying that. Uh, I, I trust you and that I, I am I'm willing to trust you and basically what she's doing is she's presenting herself to be uh, his wife uh, for Boaz to, uh, to act upon what he has the ability to do and rightly to do uh, in taking her as uh, his wife as the kinsman redeemer to redeem her out of her widowhood uh, and her childless state uh, to become his wife uh, and to, uh, uh, to create a home, as it were. Uh, and so this, this act of her, uh, you know, coming down at his feet, you have to remember what the role of the kinsman redeemer is. The kinsman redeemer is someone who is a protector. And, you know, we already have seen that in the character of Boaz already, even laying aside the kinsman redeemer role. He is a protector because, remember back in chapter 2, he gave her not only the security of a a place to be able to to glean with other women, he also gave her the, the, the ability to not be afraid of young men taking advantage of her, but also taking care of her physical needs and giving her something to drink when she was thirsty as she's working very hard out in that climate. You know, not only just there for her own purposes, but he knows full well because he knows fully everything that, Ruth had done for Naomi is that she's you know also providing for uh, Naomi who is also a widow and childless uh, and so this whole act is an act of humility on Ruth's part. Um, you know she's saying I, I'm, I'm submitting myself to your care I, I'm coming to you for the security that I desperately need as a widow who is childless. In other words as we see in verse 9 of chapter 3, She's asking to come underneath of his wing, to be that protector and to take care of her. And really, as we we take a look and we think about this time of year, there's a beautiful picture and a a beautiful parallel. Because Boaz is able to, to redeem Ruth out of her set of circumstances, where she finds herself a widow and childless and without the security of a home and a family. Uh, And here we have, as we think about Christmas, we have God's Son who comes as the Redeemer, who has the ability to redeem us and is the only one who can redeem us out of our set of circumstances. As we find ourselves slaves to sin, as we find ourselves guilty before a holy God, we find ourselves always falling short of the glory of God apart from Jesus Christ. And that's a beautiful picture as we think about uh, Jesus Christ being the Redeemer, uh, as we see the kinsman Redeemer being played out as it, it begins to, to take shape and form here in our text. And you'll notice there in uh, verse 5, it says uh, that you know, Ruth does exactly uh, uh, what Naomi tells her to do. So she prepares herself uh, to go to request Boaz as her kinsman Redeemer. And that brings us to our next section here in verses 6 to 11. Uh, As we see a bold step forward on Ruth's part, where we see Ruth returning the loyal love to Naomi by doing everything that uh, Naomi had told her to do. So let's take and look at verses 6 through 11. It says, So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of uh, the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer and he said may you be blessed by the lord my daughter you have made this last kindness greater than the first and that you have not gone after young men whether rich or poor or rich and now my daughter do not fear i will do for you all that you ask for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman So a few things to notice here in this next section as we see this bold step forward on Ruth's part as she shows her loyal love to her mother-in-law Naomi. Verse 6 says she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. So she's defaulting because she's she's trusting her mother-in-law to do something that she does not quite understand is not from a cultural thing where she would understand it. And so she doesn't tr- deviate from what her mother-in-law told her. She did all that Naomi told her to do. Uh, and that's and an important part, part here because she's just not taking things into her own hands or saying, you know what, this seems really strange to me. You know, why would I do that? Um, and so we see as the text uh, plays out a little bit f- further in verse 8 that at midnight, Boaz is startled. Uh, and he finds that there's someone laying at his feet. Uh, and of course, um, the, the question is, who is it? Now, we, we need to understand because we, we, you know, anytime we go outside, there's always lights on, it seems like everywhere. Uh, and so you're able to see somewhat in the dark even when, you know, things are dark outside. Uh, now, I, I know firsthand what it's like to be in a, in a place where, you know, basically you're in the middle of nowhere and on an overcast night when there's no moon and you uh, have generator power, and the generator shuts down for the night, and there's no power to light anything up, what pitch black looks like. uh, You cannot see anything. And living in Alaska, the last thing you want to do is be walking outside and potentially walk into something that you don't know what it is in the pitch black, especially if it starts to growl back at you, um, or it starts to gnaw on you for some reason. Uh, but that's the, the situation, not the gnawing that they find themselves in, but the fact that it's pitch black. Uh, they, they cannot see one another. They don't know, uh, you know, Boaz doesn't know who it is. And so we see here in verse 9 where Ruth says, you know, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. So again, here's the whole kinsman redeemer playing out. This is the whole protector aspect of what the, the kinsman redeemer can provide, being shown out because he says, she says, you know, spread your wings over your servant. So in other words, take me in under your care, um, like we we read about um, in the. Um, uh, previous chapter, in chapter 2, where uh, Boaz, in a blessing upon Naomi, says, you know, uh, you know, blessings upon you because you've come under the wing of the Almighty. And the whole idea being is that you're, you come underneath the protection of the one true God. Uh, and so we see this even on a, in a tangible point where uh, Ruth is saying, you know what, take me in. You know, she's saying, take me as your wife. Uh, and Uh, She desires to come under his protection for that rest or that security uh, that she desperately needs as a widow without children. Uh, And there's no doubting that this is a bold act and and a a statement on her part. Uh, But she has the ability to do so, and she does it in the, the very best way possible because Naomi tells her what to do. So she comes in humility and submission and says, I am here, your servant. Spread your wings over me, for you are a redeemer. You can make it possible for my circumstances to change. And I'm trusting you, um, putting my faith in you, uh, to trust you in this aspect. Then in verse 10, uh, we have uh, here uh, a a statement that uh, Boaz makes. And it says, he said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. Uh, Again, we see the kindness of Boaz coming out. Uh, We see that blessing from the Lord, uh, realizing, again, that he is an honorable, worthy man, uh, as he speaks even to her in a kind and loving way. And he says, you have made this last kindness greater than the first. So what was the first kindness? Well, the first kindness that she did is that she was willing to come underneath of Boaz's care and protection as she gleaned in his field, because she could have chosen to go somewhere else. And that's part of when we read in the last chapter where Boaz says, "You know, you don't need to go anywhere else. I'm going to watch over you, uh, because now I know who you are. Uh, I know uh, that you're really you're part of my family, uh, and I'm going to make sure that you don't have to go anywhere else. So you can trust me in this." And she stayed. Uh, And we know she stayed clear through the end of not only the barley harvest, but the wheat harvest as well. So she spent weeks and weeks under Boaz's care. So that's the first kindness, was not going somewhere else, but staying under his protection as she gleaned in the fields. The last kindness was her willingness to come under his protection uh, as his wife. Because you'll notice the text uh, says there... uh, in verse ten, you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. So there's a, there's obviously an age difference here between Boaz and Ruth, uh, and the, the fact is is that he she is paying him a very high compliment, because what she is acknowledging is that uh, you know. He has character, that he is the worthy man, and I've seen that firsthand, and I'm willing to give myself under his care for him to to protect me, to watch after me, to provide for me, uh, as uh, the Kinsman Redeemer can do. Uh, It's a compliment of his character, as well as a sign of respect uh, to him, because yes, he is older. She could have a younger husband, but she's choosing to uh, come and, and seek out the Kinsman Redeemer instead. And so, yes, this last kindness is greater than the first. And in verse 11, it goes on to say, And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask, for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. So here we have the the full picture, because we already know that Boaz, according to chapter 2, verse 1, is a worthy man which we said that he was worthy because he had great uh, power and in, in people working under him uh, and wealth because God had blessed him even during a famine, that he was a man of character and of valor and of strength. And all those things that come together to define him as a worthy man, we see that he is paying a compliment back to to Ruth and saying that, yes, your, your last kindness is greater than the first and I realize that and you showing me this sign of respect, that I see your virtue as well. And see, the thing is, is this, uh, uh, the word worthy in Hebrew, when it's used to describe a woman, it speaks to virtuous character. So, and, and the interesting thing, I, I think, and, and every word is a detail. All my fellow townsmen know. So Ruth has left an impression on the fellow townsmen. Now, whether that's because Boaz has spoken to her character, whether or not that's because they've seen her character, because she's going back and forth into Bethlehem as she returns home to take food to uh, Naomi, her mother-in-law, whether it's, you know, in town, you know, doing commerce or whatever. The fact is, is that people recognize that she is a virtuous woman, a worthy woman, which reminds me of Proverbs 31. Uh, As you take a look at Proverbs 31, it speaks to what a virtuous woman looks like. She's trustworthy. She's honest. She's industrious. She's kind. All things that we've seen in relation to uh, Ruth at this point. She's wise in what she says. You know, think about the fact that she asked permission to glean in the fields when she truly had her right to glean in the fields because they're provided there by the Lord. But she took the kind act of asking permission. So she was wise in what she said. She trusted in God to provide for the future. And we saw that in the fact that she left everything she knew to follow Naomi, to make Naomi's God her God. She is uh, as strength and dignity are her clothing, as it says in Proverbs 31. She was a strong woman. She was able to do what was necessary to lead everything she knew and to, in kindness and out of love in a relationship she had with her mother-in-law, Naomi, to take care of her. And so we see that whole thing where this this idea of a a worthy woman, a virtuous woman comes out as, as Ruth has lived amongst the people, that people noticed it, they saw it, which I think speaks highly of Ruth, but it also speaks to the truth that people look and watch as to what we do and what we say. And it makes an impact on people. And then finally, our our text goes out to finish here in verses 12 to 18, uh, as we see Boaz remaining good in his character uh, and realizing that he wants to to proceed in a right fashion. So let's read the rest of of chapter 3. It says, And now it is true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I remain tonight and in the morning if he will redeem you good let him do it but if he will not or if he is not willing to redeem you then as the lord lives i will redeem you lie down until the morning so she lay at his feet until the morning but arose before one could recognize another and he said let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor and he said bring the garment you are wearing and hold it out so she held it out, and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her, and then she went into the city. And when she came to her mother in law, she said, How did you fare, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, These six measures of barley he gave me, for he said to me, You must not go back empty handed to your mother in law. She replied, Wait, my daughter. Until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. It's at this point, I, I, I believe textually, that we see the love between Boaz and Ruth kindling, uh, where they have recognized one another. Uh, she has recognized him as a worthy man, she's experienced his kindness, she has trusted him, uh, she has presented herself and ask him to be the kinsman redeemer. And we see Boaz as he has reached out and continued to be kind to her, that he did not take advantage of her, that he wanted to make sure that everything would proceed in the right way. And we see this through the text because Boaz reveals that there's another kinsman redeemer. So there's no another relative that is closer in line to be able to take Ruth uh, through what the kinsman redeemer can do. Uh, a closer relation to Elimelech. And so this speaks again to the character of Boaz because he wants to keep everything above reproach. He does not want to take away from the closer relative the ability to uh, exercise the, the protection of the kinsman redeemer over Ruth and, uh, as it were, redeem her out of her set of circumstances to bring her into that security, that rest of what a home can provide. Um, he wanted to make sure that his rights were not infringed upon. And so, again, we see this, uh, even though there is a a common, you know, reciprocation between the two of them in relation to how they treat one another. And you can see the the love they have towards one another being uh, spoken out as well as, uh, you know, portrayed in how they uh, do not see this as as an opportunity to take advantage of one another, uh, which, you know, is not even uncommon in the culture then. And that's why, you know, I pointed out earlier that what she did was not a sexual invitation at all. If anything, uh, it was an act of humility and submission to him saying, come be my protector. And Boaz wanted it to be done the way that God commanded. Uh, He did not want to circumvent the system, uh, even though he obviously has strong feelings for uh, uh, Ruth because he says if The closer redeemer is not willing, then, uh, you'll notice there in the text he says, as the Lord lives. So he is making a solemn promise before the Lord. As the Lord lives, that's the way they they would, they would declare a solemn promise. I will redeem you. But again, the character is shown here because Boaz wants to make sure it's done rightly. And then in verse 14, we've got a phrase there that needs a little bit of explanation because it says, do not let it be known. Now, you know, we can read this and think, oh, well, wait a minute. Is Boaz trying to cover up something that was inappropriate? Well, the answer to that question is, no, he's not. Um, He wants to make sure that the uh, rightful kinsman redeemer has the ability to uh, exercise his rights and has the opportunity to inform him before Boaz takes any further action uh, towards redeeming Ruth. So it's not an embarrassing situation. Instead, he wants to do things right. See, what you need to understand, because I don't know if anyone here has been on a threshing floor before, uh, but it was not uncommon for uh, people and workers to sleep on the threshing floor. Uh, because you know, those long days of harvesting grain and then willowing it uh, on the threshing floor to separate what was usable from what was unusable was hard, long labor. Uh, and so they would oftentimes sleep right outside on the threshing floor and start as soon as, as it was bright enough to see to, to continue the, the harvest. Uh, because they didn't have the opportunity to have big green John Deere tractors harvesting their grain. Uh, their, their big John Green tractors were these right here. Uh, so it was a lot of hard work. Uh, and the other thing is, you need to remember what time frame were li- they're, they're living in. This is the time of the judges. Well, what were the judges there for? The judges were calling God's people back in repentance to God. Because they were not living for God. They were not honoring God. So God's judgment was coming so that as there was no king in Israel and people were doing what was right in their own eyes, the judges came in to, to as it were, say, you know what, If you need to repent as God's people. You need to come back to the Lord. Uh, and so it was not uncommon for people to be going out in the middle of the night and stealing grain from the threshing floor. Uh, to take someone's hard-earned labor and and take it for their own. Uh, We can see that kind of mentality being exercised in our country today. You know, uh, things being taken that do not belong to individuals uh, because they don't care that someone else worked hard for it. Uh, That's why we end up locking our doors, why we have security systems. Uh, And even in, uh, you know, this past week when people get desperate enough, um, as I heard from... Uh, one of our uh, young people here that their company got ransacked and a whole bunch of copper pipe got stolen. Uh, and that's because people will do what is necessary to get what they uh, believe is deserve them. So the fact is, workers sleeping on the threshing ho- floor was for the purpose of keeping people from stealing it because the presence of someone there is going to deter uh, because they might get caught. Uh, and that's what our, our law and order does in our country today is that a fear of being caught, uh, and those who are there to enforce the law uh, is the same um, thing that would be seen in someone sleeping on the threshing floor. And so Boaz ends up finishing this all outright, not knowing exactly how this is going to turn out, because, you know, he might very well lose uh, Ruth to the nearer relative, the nearer kinsman redeemer. And so we still see his kindness and his love being exhibited to uh, both Ruth and Naomi, because he gives her six measures of barley to take home. He says, "You must not go back empty-handed. I'm going to give you something because I'm still, you know, as it were, I'm part of your family, uh, and I'm going to take care and look after those who are part of, of of my family." And and it shows the kindness too that we saw in relation to how Boaz treated his workers as well. And so Ruth returns to Naomi and shares all that Boaz had done. And verse 18 caps out the chapter by saying, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. So again, we see Ruth in a set of circumstances where she really does not know quite what to expect. You know, she set out in order to ask Boaz, who she's had the opportunity to be around for weeks as they you know, uh, harvested together, as she gleaned and watched Boaz interact with her, his workers and with other people. And now she has to wait. Uh, and as we take a look at this, everything that's been done in relation to what Boaz has done for Ruth and what Naomi has done for Ruth and Ruth back towards both of them is love being exhibited. It's not thinking of its own, not seeking its own, but instead that love is being shown out in their relationships as they interact with one another. Uh, and what Naomi is doing is she's encouraging Ruth right now because she's still a widow, she's still childless. She's just offered herself in the the culturally uh, right way to one who can be her kinsman redeemer, but she finds out there's someone closer. So at this point, she needs a little bit of encouragement. She needs a little bit of love and understanding to be shown from uh, her mother-in-law. And that's exactly what Naomi does. Uh, and so as we see this, we see, you know, the parallels of uh, our time here as we think about Christ, you know, and what Christmas is truly all about. It's Christ coming, uh, the one who uh, is able to restore hope to those who have no hope. Um, because we stand uh, as those who fall short of the glory of god who are guilty who are condemned uh, before a holy god and so we need someone to be the redeemer someone who can bring peace in a situation where we find ourselves at war with god because what sin is is rebellion against god it's being at war with him and only jesus christ the redeemer can give us the peace that we uh, desperately need, who can make us right, who can redeem us out of our sin and bring us uh, before God in a manner that is worthy uh, so that we, as it says in Romans 8, find that there's now no condemnation uh, because we have been clothed in Christ's righteousness when we trust him as our Savior. And finally, we see the, the perfect example of the love of God being exercised uh, as he sent his one and only son. You know, For God so loved the world that he gave us his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the love of God shown in its purity, in its, in its fullness. Uh, and it is a love that once we have trusted Christ as our Savior, once our hope has been restored, once we've found peace with God, we have to the ability to love like God loves to even love the unlovable. Uh, And so we see all three of these things coming together as we remember Advent, as we remember uh, hope, peace, and love. Uh, And next week we'll speak to joy uh, as we finish out our time in the book of Ruth. So let's bow for a closing word of prayer. Gracious Father, Lord, we thank you for... This account in the book of Ruth, I thank you for the ability to to read and to understand the culture, uh, to understand what's going on, to be able to see the beautiful interaction that's taking place, Uh, to give us a foreshadowing of your son, Jesus Christ, who is the Redeemer, who would come and redeem uh, those who are dead in trespasses and sins and be made alive in Christ Jesus. Uh, And we thank you for the the beauty of this passage. We thank you for, uh, as our text showed today, the love shown. Uh, And Lord, may we, as we approach uh, the the day of Christmas, uh, be those who exhibit love one for another. Uh, Because we know scripturally that they will know that we belong to you uh, uh, exhibited through our love one for another. And that we have a love that this world does not understand Uh, because the reason we're able to love is because you first loved us. Uh, And Lord, I pray that you would uh, work that out and through each and every believer here today. And Lord, if there's someone here today who has never put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, uh, maybe someone who's listening online or someone sitting here in the sanctuary today, that they would realize that uh, you uh, sent your son uh, not for the purpose of being some uh, other human being who walked the face of this planet, Because Jesus is your son. He is the son of God. He is God incarnate. Uh, He is God in the flesh. Uh, And Lord, you sent him for the purpose of him giving himself as that once-for-all sacrifice so that we could be redeemed, that we could repent of our sins and trust him as our savior because we do need saving because we are lost. We are dead spiritually and we need to be made alive through your son, Jesus Christ. And I pray that today would be the day of salvation for each one of them, that they would uh, put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone, uh, the one who is the Redeemer. We pray all these things in his name. Amen.